Welcome to The Mortar and Pestle, a PCCA podcast where we discuss all things compounding and all things concerning independent pharmacy. Now, here is your host, Mike Delisio, North American Sales Director. Welcome, Compounding World. My name is Mike Delisio, and welcome to the newest episode of A Mortar and Pestle, a PCCA podcast. We are live here at our HRT Symposium, um, obviously with a group of physicians, practitioners, marketers, technicians, experts in the realm of bioidentical hormone replacement therapy. And we are joined by none other than the 2018 PCCA Compounding Pharmacist of the Year, Sherry Kramer. This, uh, this podcast has been in the making since October when I had the chance to sit down with Sherry right after she received her award as being Compounding Pharmacist of the Year. She ex- expressed extreme interest in, in doing a podcast, and unfortunately I said, you know what, we're probably going to do it next time we see you live, and here we are, um, live at our HRT Symposium. I'm also joined by Michelle Perot, who's uh, graciously been my podcast host over the last few episodes. So, Michelle, thank you so much for joining us again. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here with Sherry as well. And before we uh, we kick things off and, and welcome Sher- uh, Sherry formally, Michelle has was your uh, sales rep for quite some time. So you have a tremendous relationship with her. And I think it was only fitting that we asked Michelle to sit in on this episode. You are full of life, full of character, and obviously full of knowledge and experience. So Sherry, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. And it, I, um, it's a pleasure of mine to be here and especially to sit down with you too. So thank you. Yay. Well, I know this is going to be uh, an awesome experience, not only for ourselves, but to give our listeners out there a better impression, what your background is, how you got into compounding, um, what you represent to the community in South Dakota. I think that's obviously a big deal as well. And being in in a smaller community, however, the impact that you've made on patients' lives. Um, And not only that, the experience that you've gained with PCCA since 2001. So to, to tap in a bit more about your history of pharmacy and how you became a store owner, um, give our listeners out there a bit better impression of, of where you came from. Well, I'm a small town girl. Uh, Sioux Falls, South Dakota is actually a population of like 180,000. So I always tell people we don't even have a million people in our whole state. So, But I was in a big um, medical clinic of over 100 physicians, and I had um, been a staff pharmacist for 14 years, and I had the opportunity to buy that pharmacy. So in AD, in uh, 98, I purchased the pharmacy from my boss when he retired, and so then I was a store owner. So I kind of saw a niche in compounding because I was the compounder in Sioux Falls, for 14 years because we catered to a big population of physicians that needed special things. So then when um, I had the opportunity to become a PCCA member, it was just like, that was a great idea. And I would fill a niche because there were so many chains in Sioux Falls. I was like one of four independents, I think, at that time. So I jumped on that bandwagon and then I learned how to do compounding right. So I totally attribute PCCA for that. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Also talk about um, what kind of made you want to, I mean, I understand that you had a niche to fill, but was there something in particular to get you just away from just the retail everyday pharmacy business, but also 
being able to provide that compounding side of your business too. Yeah, I was always doing a lot of compounding, but it was like try and sit alone in Cetaphil because we had a huge dermatology group. It was um, desensitizations for the allergists. It was, um, you know, nothing, kind of like everything was pretty simple. So I, uh, I actually had um, thought to myself that I would like to do this separately away from retail. And so when I actually became a PCCA member, I set my goal on um, building out a separate pharmacy. So I did that. So then I owned two pharmacies in the Sioux Falls area. One was compounding, which we still took insurance. So I kind of considered myself a hybrid because I could offer compounding at the retail location and also um, retail at the compounding location. So, yeah, very cool. You also have won several awards throughout the years and you've been very involved in the compounding industry as a whole over the several years that you've been been doing this. And so that's been an attribute to what you've done and the work that you've done, not only in the state of South Dakota, but I know you go to DC mm-hmm. a lot to campaign on behalf of our industry. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I said, you have won several awards throughout the years for the work that you have done. Tell us about that. I actually, um, one of my first most favorite awards was in 2006. It was a um, given by the state of South Dakota, and it and it was an and I can't even. I'm sorry, I can't remember the name of the actual award, but it basically was that we were carving a an opportunity or bringing an opportunity to the state. Now, I can't remember the name of it now. There's a plaque hanging in my lobby, so I'm letting you down here. (laughs) But um, it was important to me because it it told me that um, I was accepted to be able to do something by the community. And I was recognized by my peers, which, you know, anytime you're stepping out in pharmacy, because, you know, you can get slapped sometimes too. <laughs> so anyway, I guess I, I guess that was very important to me to win that award. Um, and then of course, most recently you recognized the pharmacist of the year, which I got to tell you, that's still unbelievable to me. I feel like, um, I think, I think almost you always think you're not in that category. You know, you can't believe that you've made that. I honestly think that, um, like me being a woman was a big deal. I had so many women compounders come up and say, you know, that's awesome, you broke that barrier. So um, being the only, only the second woman in, since 1987, when they started giving that away, that was more special than just receiving the award all by itself. So right. um, yeah, very cool, can't believe it. And then I, I do know that you find it really important to make sure that you are involved, not only, like I said, at the state level, but you also go to D.C. Oh. and make sure that, you know, compounders are heard. Yeah, I go to D.C. at least twice a year. Um, so PCCA offers the opportunity through ACT, and that's usually in April. And then I've been an IACP member for over 15 years, and I've probably been to D.C. for compounders on Capitol Hill, and I bet I've been out there 15 times for, for IACP. I'm an IACP board member too now, which um, I used to not be a board member. I was just a member, but I would always try to have the presence in DC because even being a small state, we actually have impact just in numbers during those events. So I think PCCA's act has been going on 
what, seven years maybe? Uh, yeah, if, if not, not longer. Not for sure. Not for sure. Yeah. And uh, I, I guess my, my question, I guess also my, my addition to your statement is that uh, the compounding world, the pharmacy world, we love acronyms for everything. Oh, yeah. So um, <laughs> between PCCA, ICP, IGPC, et cetera, et cetera, NCPA, um, for those listeners out there that are not familiar with the advocacy groups and the advocacy campaigning that goes on for compounding pharmacy, the International Academy of Compounding Pharmacists has been established for quite some time, and it's it's a network of compounding pharmacists that is truly run by compounding pharmacists to represent the pharmacy realm in D.C. specifically, and having that presence and that footprint um, amongst decision makers and lawmakers um, and that how it pertains to compounding pharmacy. So it, it was important for me to mention that because if you are new to all this, and you're still trying to, to find whether or not you want to become a compounding pharmacy um, and getting a better understanding of what type of lobbying and advocacy groups are in existence, IACP essentially is the one. And I don't think we've really focused on IACP as a group on the podcast yet. So this, this is probably the great way of segueing into advocacy. Mm-hmm. Michelle alluding to the fact that you have a tremendous presence with advocacy. Talk to me about what that means to you and why it's so important um, for you specifically to be involved. Well, everybody needs to be involved. And if they're not going to physically attend these events, they maybe potentially could, you know, contribute money because um, it seems like everything costs a lot. And the advocacy part is, um, I mean, what we do is our message is carried to the Congress to, you know, protect the um, patient access to compounded medications. I mean, to me, it's the reason that I became a PCCA member, compounding pharmacist in 2001, because I needed to make a better product, do um, the best that I could, you know, have access to formulations and the quality chemicals and um, all the things that make what I was doing the best I could be. While advocacy is the same thing, whether you're um, physically there, of course, that's what we want. We want people to attend because the numbers mean a lot. We, um, you know, some events we take our white coats so that there's a presence of pharmacists on the hill. Um, but I guess my intention has always been to just know that I could give them the um, message or I want to carry the message to the congressman and that I could be the person that they would call if they had any question. And I have been called over the years by my congressman. So, I mean, we don't have a lot like California, you know, but at the same time, they all know when I walk in their room with them, what my message is. And we try to change that message in accordance to our ask and what we need, but it's the same. You know, you still need to send them memos throughout the year and um, have a contact local in your state, you know, have like like our, uh, our legislature's going on right now. So we're, you know, I'm constantly in the know of what potentially might affect my business or my patients or my pets. Yeah, of course. <laughs> so, yeah, that's what advocacy to me is, just to be present. Um, when it comes to compounding pharmacies within the community and, and obviously looking at PCCA membership as a whole, even when you're at events like this, you have so many of your colleagues, obviously people scattered from across the country. We, we've often said that people assume that this is a highly competitive uh, environment, and it's really not. Mm-hmm. And 
I would like you to touch on some of your experience that you have with some of your fellow colleagues and, and how that trickles into advocacy together for specifically in the state of South Dakota. Well, compounders are a family. Like we are a unique group of individuals and we're brought together by PCCA, obviously, but we also are um, aligned through our professional um, aspirations to be the best we can be. Um, I think what I tend to be, <laughs> I don't want to pat myself on the back, but like I like to get to know people. So I come to these events and I will guarantee that I will meet five people and then I will see them at the next event I go to, whether it be a PCCA event or a Capitol Hill event, and I will be welcoming and it's it's a constant learning and you might pick up that um, networking tip that like maybe they do thyroid and you don't well I want to do thyroid so I'm going to be able to call them up the competition is not there because we have the same goal to provide the best product to the patient so I guess that's another like you said Mike another advocacy because we're have the same goal we're all working to provide right I think one of the things too um, just uh, knowing Sherry and, and having been your rep for several yeah. years, um, I just even a couple months ago, I, I had introduced another member who was a newer member uh, to our organization and was looking for some help with something. And um, again, not a competitive environment, but bringing it all in the family and everybody wants to help each other out. And I always know that Sherry is somebody that I can... I can send newer members to to ask questions of, and it was so so cool for me to be able to go to this member several states away, and she's telling me, oh my gosh, thank you so much for introducing me to Sherry because she's now my mentor, and I call her all the time and interact with her all of the time, and it becomes just such a... a a learning environment, an educational environment, a sharing environment, and as you said, it's everybody is concerned about mm -hmm. the best thing for the patient, and it's so great to see that camaraderie amongst fellow pharmacists and compounding pharmacists and in the industry, and I, I've always known that Sherry is somebody that I can always lean on to, to help out with those newer members, and I know she's, she's going to see them at every single event, and she's going to hug you. So oh, yeah. Be ready. I'm going to hug you, so be ready for that. <laughs> I think this is the reason why we wanted Sherry on the podcast is because she loves to share. She loves to um, to bring that community together, and she likes to, obviously, to show her passion, not only for the practice, but for her fellow colleagues. Um, when we interviewed Saad, and we sat down with Saad, Saad Dino obviously being a compounding pharmacist of the year on behalf of PCCA as well, just recognized a few years back. We, uh, we talked about what this means in general, what PCCA means, what the, the learning experience means. Uh, the common denominator, as it is for most of our most experienced members, is the amount of education they, attain, they attend themselves, the amount of exposure that they have to different disease states and the constant learning. Um, being here in Las Vegas, an HRT event, this is not your first and you're obviously shaking your head. Um, how many HRT events have you attended specifically? And it could be also outside PCCA, but just with us alone or in general, how many, how, how many have you, can you even count? I think 12. I, I was trying to figure that out. Um, I generally bring practitioners to this one because this is superior in my opinion of anyone that you can bring a practitioner to. And even though um, hormones 
I mean, they seem simple, but they're not. They're so complex. And every patient presents with a whole um, different array of symptoms. And what, what we have found as compounders is generally physicians don't have the time anymore to spend with the patient. So like when we do private consultations, um, we'll look at cortisol. You know, and quite often you will, that's, that's missed by practitioners. So I think when our, we, bring pra, we bring practitioners here and they learn of the importance of cortisol, you know, um, in relationship to your thyroid, um, it's like eye-opening for them. Incredible. And so every year, if there's something on thyroid and cortisol, I don't care if I've heard it 12 or 15 times. I'm impressed. I always learn something new, and I'm impressed by the message that they go home with. So, yes, education. Um, I think I get, like, over 50 hours of CE a year as live, but it's just because of the events that I, I – um, and, and, I, and I do send my staff to things, too. Like, almost all of my staff has been to a PCCA event, which – they don't generally care to go to the hill, but maybe someday. <laughs> Lead by example. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's it. So now now I'm uh, pretty proud of one of my staff. She has followed in my footsteps back home for the uh, Pharmacy Association. Um, she's going to be president next year. Um, I think that they're, you know, they're learning advocacy, you know, through me. And um, same with ICP. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yep, it's very good. Um, I like to plug my staff, by the way. I find that they are um, incredible, and uh, we are a team, and that has all been taught you know, through PCCA also. So um, I'm the weakest link by far. Ah, uh, you think? Yeah, I think. I don't think so. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I doubt they'd agree with that. Yeah, I, I doubt as well. You, uh, you touched on something really cool, too, and, and I don't think... We've, we've focused on something like this as well. The, not only the importance of educating yourself, uh, but bringing a prescriber to an mm -hmm. event. Uh, what does that mean to the future of your business model? What does that mean to the relationship that you have with a physician? Because they're being exposed to the same education, the same talk that you are. You're obviously sitting in the same room together. You're spending time with one another outside of the pharmacy, outside of being and having that communication on the phone, you're, you're now in, in a different city, you get a chance to connect. What does it mean to your practice, not only from a learning experience, but from a building your business experience? And, and what does that mean to you? Well, to me, for them, it's all about the networking too, because they're not just learning the same thing that I'm learning, and actually that I maybe know and I know better than they do, you know, if, the, if they're a new practitioner. But they are meeting practitioners here that then they are going to have relationships moving forward. And they might come next year and see them again. Or they might have new, new patients, be new practitioners, and they will call on each other. Well, that all comes to making me look glorious because I introduced them for the first time, or you did. But in all honesty, it's like it's just a, it goes back to the um, family community of the event, you know, it's always it's always the pearl. Like you go to the event and you're going to take a pearl home that's going to pay for your event. Well, it's so simple when you bring one practitioner. If you brought ten practitioners, your you know your pearl is that they're going to learn something that is going to build their practice and build your practice. So it's what does critical. it mean from a credibility point of view, also as a prescriber, to hear from peers and colleagues, and not only from the stage, but 
as they mingle on breaks and lunches and have the chance to communicate and to introduce themselves, what does that mean to the credibility of compounding and customized medication? Well, already. So um, we had, we, we always try to sit by someone else at lunch and someone else at breakfast. And, you know, so you're constantly introducing your practitioner to new practitioners. Well, already they, I've heard them talk about, well, just that last little segment of this seminar, uh, I just sat and listed patients that I had to go home and, you know, reintroduce them to this new therapy. And so they're, um, and then the other practitioner said, well, that I was doing that too. And, and then they're like, well, if I, you know, can't remember something, could we like have a conversation like in a couple of weeks from now and compare notes? And well, absolutely. I'm open. And they exchange cards and away they go. And they're like three states apart. Just doesn't matter. They can talk on the phone. I've even introduced them to a pharmacist in a bordering state of mind. There again, it's not a competitive atmosphere. We're all about learning and sharing. I think that's a great, great attitude that you have, and I love to see that sharing. And um, we always encourage that amongst all of our membership, and so that's nice to see. Um, and I know that um, when you invite practitioners to come with you to these events, um, I know that you've invited, you know, several years mm -hmm. in a row. Mm -hmm. You have one particular particular practitioner that loves to come every year because she always learns something mm -hmm. new and really enjoys that networking aspect of it. And so the more that you can help out, help them help your patients and really build that triad of the patient, the practitioner, and the pharmacist all working together to, to better treat your mm -hmm. patients, I think the better off everybody is. One thing I just wanted to bring up about those practitioners is sometimes they're stepping out of their realm too because compounding isn't always accepted, you know, um, amongst the other physicians in the in the area. So for them to come to an event and say that it's, it's okay to do thyroid the way I'm doing thyroid because there's 50 other practitioners here that are, you know, providing that same service because otherwise they can be ridiculed by their um, other medical doctors back home and feel like they're not doing something right where actually they're doing it better than the other, you know, mainstream practitioners back home. It's that thinking outside the mm -hmm. box uh, definitely. and being willing to do that. Being willing to step out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's also a common theme. We, we always have to talk about the patient because mm -hmm. ultimately it's all about the patient, right? Mm -hmm. um, Dr. Carfora mentioned how they're the VIP in the top of the pyramid, the top of the triad. Your experience since 2001, not only with us, but being a compounding pharmacy, you've touched the lives of many, many patients. Mm -hmm. Any stories that you would like to share, uh, things that come top of mind? Because I know I think when you, when you won the award last year, I think you shared a couple of patient stories, or you may have offline um, yeah. in terms of what this means, not only to you, to your family, to your practice, but what has this meant to your patient base in terms of what you've been able to provide to Sioux Falls, South Dakota? Well, we get, you know, we do a huge percentage of hormones. We do a lot of thyroid, we do a lot of pets. But the ones that really uh, please me, or I, I think back on always, is the little pediatric children that, um, so they, you know, they're born and they have heart issues and they're two weeks old and they go to Ann Arbor or Minneapolis and come back. And then we're dosing down cardiac meds to suit their needs as seven pound, 10 pound, you know, weights. Um, 
But the thing that always touches me, and I hope I don't cry here, but my staff will tell you, is the moms come in when the babies have birthdays, and they tell you that they wouldn't be here without us. So I'm crying. Thanks, Mike. <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't my you intention. you start crying, then I'm going to cry. We had this discussion yeah. before. But in all honesty, I don't care how long you do this. That is my favorite thing. It happens over and over. Well, okay, so you can say children are special. Well, pets are just as special. So now, you know, you have the, 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 the dog... And, and every cat, by the way, is on methimazole if it lives long enough. So when you think about the amounts of methimazole that we make for South Dakota, that's a lot. But I don't know. We're kind of above and beyond as far as um, compassion for our patients. They're not just a number. They're human, They're people living, breathing. Animals. Yeah. 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 We've built those relationships. They're strong. They come in. We all stop, especially if it's a peed. All stop. The lab comes out in the lobby and you know we're talking to that parent so that's what goes on in my place <laughs> so many awesome stories i didn't mean to make you cry i, I feel like no, i should uh, never bring that story up but I'm, that's seriously what I'm, I, I feel like i'm oprah all of a sudden yeah. then, my new thing that's what cow pow is all about truly open up on the podcast but that yeah. is you know it's a it rewarding is. experience yeah. to yeah. see that and i can only imagine yeah. you know how you're impacting these people's lives forever and ever and ever and that's just such a great feeling I would imagine for all of you. Lately, um, it's been fibromyalgia since mm -hmm. the LDN came mm -hmm. to compounding. I have, uh, so I had a fibromyalgia, and she's actually a nurse. So she was getting three massages a week, living on ibuprofen, 600 milligram, taking six or eight of those a day, um, acupuncture, you know. She titrated her dose of LDN up. I think she got to two milligrams, and she calls me up and she said, unbelievable changed my life can't she doesn't have to get up two hours before she has to go to work just to try to move her joints and limber up and just unbelievable so if you think about the people that struggle with a disease state um, LDN is going to be life-changing for lots of people I mean I have three people and I mean I know I have a lot more that are that are impacted but you know this is a um, chronic pain situation that they're just turned around like night and day. What resources have you used for low-dose naltrexone information and to further educate yourself? Um, I've gone to, um, I think it was at International, there was a LDN speaker, and ICP also had a um, speaker specific on LDN at their um, Educon or educational event that they do. Um, I know... Uh, um, I'm trying to think where I learned about it first. I think it was at PCCA, but I don't know. The best thing about PCCA, too, is we need the chemical. You have it. We know it's pure. We know it's potent. We know it's quality. We know you reject more chemicals than any other, and that's important to us. So thank you. One of the things, I mean, I appreciate you mentioning that about our quality, but mm -hmm. I know visiting your pharmacy um, that regulations and being up to date with regulations and even I mean you're ahead of the curve when it comes to making sure that your lab and 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 the quality of your product is above what is required and I think that is so admirable um, of you in our industry to be able to be ahead of the the curve on that and really set the example I, correct me if I'm wrong but I want to say that um, even 
you had an organization that came in, was it the state or, or we, somebody else came in and used you as an example or looked to your pharmacy as kind of an example of what other people maybe should be doing? Um, we are actually um, PCAB accredited, which is another acronym, but it's Pharmacy Compounding <laughs> Accreditation Board. I'm telling you, we're, f- yeah. we're full of acronyms. <laughs> and, the whole um, alphabet. So, so what we did, okay, we knew that July 1st of 2018 was the USP 800 deadline. So I wanted to do this earlier rather than later. And since 2010, I had had a, um, we call it, we didn't call it a hazard room then, but we called it a capsule room because we separated all our capsules making into one area because we felt like, you know, there was more powders in the air. And, and so I just wanted to protect my employees. So I tried to do the best we could to, um, be, to follow them. And we were ready by the summer, by August of 2017, Well, then they pushed the date back to December 1st of 2019, so this year, and they did that to um, be, uh, like, at the same time that they could do USP 797, Mm -hmm. um, because that was under um, renewal. So, all in all, it's going to line up here, and I've been ready for a very long time, because it's a matter of protecting your employees, which, by the way, my employees are my family, too. So that's very important to me. But so what we, I think what you were mentioning is we had, we were the first in the nation to um, do the uh, the accreditation for the PCAB um, USP 800 segment, which is handling of hazardous drugs. And so we did the segregation, we have the gowning, and we did have some questions and we kind of worked through those through being the first one, but they wanted somebody that was virtually ready and USP 800 ready, but just, um, you know, kind of to finalize some of the, the regs. So we got to be that pharmacy. With uh, with USP 800, as you mentioned, December 1st, 2019, right around the corner, we're, we're virtually nine months away from, from it being a reality. And you being ahead of the curve, as you said, what advice do you have for pharmacies out there that are still trying to identify aspects of the chapter that they're potentially not sure about? And, and what are... How do they learn more in terms of, uh, or what what would you recommend um, they do specifically as it pertains to the handling of hazardous drugs? Well, they need to read the chapter. A they, lot of people they, don't like to do no, that. No, no, no. I don't. I mean, I don't like to do that, I, and I'm not really good at that because you can uh, read thing one way and sort of take it under your own interpretation, then that might not be right. But there are people out there to help you. Um, and actually, a good thing maybe is to call PCAB, you know, the accreditation, because they can help people be accredited for that. You know, they have standards that you have to meet. So that's my recommendation always to people. And then don't wait. Like, get on this. And it's very expensive. So that's the other thing you have to decide is you have to decide, first of all, if, you're, if it suits your pharmacy or if maybe you're going to give that business to someone else that, you know, if you don't want to hassle with that, but the whole thing with uh, 795, 797, so 795 is non-sterile, 797 is sterile, um, and then 800 is hazardous, they basically all integrate. So to me, you kind of could, it would be really hard to just totally give up everything hazardous. But space is a limiting factor, money is a limiting factor. Um, I almost think space is almost a bigger limiting factor sometimes than the finances because, you know, a lot of times compounding areas, there's not 
a lot of space. I was very fortunate. I basically kicked out my retail and remodeled the whole place, and that was fortunate for that. You know that I had that opportunity to do that. But yeah, especially if most pharmacies are hybrid, mm-hmm. and finding that extra room to to dedicate mm-hmm. to hazardous specifically, and then what are you going to do with air handling? Obviously, it, there's much more to it. I know we have great resources as well. Um, if you want to learn more about USP 100, you can definitely find more information on our public website um, and our obviously on the members-only website where we have a dedicated landing page to learning more about the chapter and what the implications are for your pharmacy. But it was, it was really cool to hear your firsthand approach, um, knowing how far advanced you were and how you accepted what the changes were going to be rather than run from them or be fearful of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes embracing what that change or the changes that are upcoming uh, and understanding the impacts. And like you said, your family works in the pharmacy. I guess great segue into this because I was going to bring it up regardless, your family involvement in the pharmacy um, and it being so important to you and, and what it means for your pharmacy specifically and the patient interaction that you have. How has it been to, to run almost like a family business? Well, you know, um, this was funny because we were just discussing this today. Um, my son, okay, so just on the, on the inside, uh, both my children are in pharmacy school at South Dakota State University in Brookings, South Dakota. Um, my son is one year ahead of my daughter. Um, I think they plan, I, I mean, I have told them if you find other opportunities in pharmacy that um, beat compounding, which I know they're not going to, but, <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, they need to pursue, you know, I have a passion for compounding, so I can't force them into that. But at the same time, they grew up in the compounding pharmacy, and they've been, um, you know, lead technicians, and they're both sterile technician trained and, you know, integrated throughout, like, all the regulations and everything we've done. So when I said earlier that I was protecting my family, I wasn't really talking about my two children. I was talking about my employees. But it's the same, you know, I I think Mike's talking about the same thing here. It's like... um, so my kids now will hopefully in two or three, two and a half and three and a half years, um, you know, take over the pharmacy and maybe boot me out. I don't know. But I, so today what we were discussing um, with them, my son brought up that, you remember how everybody thought you were so off the wall to start that compounding only pharmacy, you know? <laughs> and and um, so that's kind of fun now because they go to college and they're kind of integrating a little bit with uh, other pharmacists across the state and so last year when my son did his IPPE rotation they he was talking to a guy and he said yeah I remember when your mom did that I thought that was so crazy why would she do that you know (laughs) so hopefully they'll be crazy like me and do it too but I think they will I think there's going to be um they're going to they're going to work well together because they're my son's kind of a lab rat guy and my daughter's more like you know we'll we'll take care of the data entry and the um, the staffing issues, and I just think I think there's a, a place for both of them in the family-owned business. So, I think it's cool that they have seen the passion and the success because of your passion in that pharmacy. That I think that is what led them to go to pharmacy school and kind of follow in your footsteps to take on um, the business. You know. Well, we literally had like Lucas always thought, you know, because because both my kids worked for me and. Um, they both had gone to college, but Lucas, we basically had to kick him out to go back to pharmacy school because he was just 
going to be this technician and, you know, but you really need to be a pharmacist to be an owner. So that's where we kind of went with that. But I don't know. I'm very proud of them. I think they're going to do well. I know they um, both think out of the box like I do. They have my mitochondria, so we're good. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're going to be great. <laughs> knowing them and knowing you, I, I know they're going to be great. So I'm excited to see yeah. what happens moving forward. So on that note, Knowing your business, knowing their impending graduation, essentially, where they're obviously going to be practicing pharmacists, what do you think this would mean for the future of your business specifically, and what direction do you think it will go? Well, I think they will grow it because I have never had a marketer. Um, I think there's a lot more potential. Like, we don't have population, but I think there are things that could be done that we aren't doing, you know, and if I would get out and hit the street and find, you know, what far, what uh, practitioners are missing or, you know, give me your worst patient and I'll try to resolve their issues. You know, I think that th that's out there. I just, we just don't do that. And we are, um, you know, busy the way we are. But um, so I think they will just grow it because they will have different insights to, um, what should be done and, you know, opportunities. And they'll, they'll be fresh out of college, so they'll know some of the things that, you know, potentially I think they're going to really run into the, the genomics part of mm -hmm. medications. And I can't wait to see where compounding takes, you know, when we start grasping the genomics parts because, you know, that's kind of already there. Um, you know, the C450, the CP450, the whole um, SNP, things from way back when I'm just that's just we're just at the tip of that that's gonna just be huge I'm so happy you brought that up because that it's actually a future episode oh good uh, so we're gonna be talking about that in more specifics with Gus Bassani our chief scientific officer mm -hmm. and talking about innovation and R&D but not only that uh, we're gonna we're gonna dive into the world of genomics as well in terms of what that means for not only your approach to compounding pharmacy and personalized medication but what this means for the future of education and how we're going to have dedicated events. Mm -hmm. um, hopefully one day, I'm, that's not a guarantee, but that is the next step for us as well. And I think an incredible approach. So I, I hope I'm not opening up a can of worms when I say this, but mm -hmm. I, I think that is the future of pharmacy mm -hmm. regardless. Mm -hmm. um, Sherry, honestly, Michelle has known you for a very long time. I have not had the pleasure to to know you for that long, but I've had the chance mm -hmm. to spend a bit more time with you. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time, not only to sit down with us, but to take yourself away from the symposium. I know it's your 12th, but you're still here to learn. Mm -hmm. uh, but you've obviously dedicated some time to sitting down and record the podcast. Uh, on my behalf, it was an honor to sit down with a compounding pharmacist of the year to learn more about you and have our listeners learn more about your story as well and your dedication to not only your patients, but your staff. I think that was a big, a big message to share with other pharmacies out there and other members or compounding pharmacies that are focusing on building their business, mm -hmm. the importance of focusing on personnel and developing their staff, educating their staff, and, and obviously keeping them safe when need be. But um, Michelle, thanks again for doing this as well. Thank you. This has been fun. It's been especially fun to get to spend more time with Sherry. She's, she's somebody that I always enjoyed going to visit, and I am a little bummed that I... 
I can't believe I'm going to say this. I'm a little bummed that uh, <laughs> I, don't I don't get, get to, to go to South, South Dakota, Dakota <laughs> to see you. But I'm lucky that I get to see you at all of these events. And so yeah, we'll I'll still keep get coming to, to events, Michelle, just to see you. So don't have to worry. <laughs> That's and the now only I, reason. I'm going to come and see Mike, too. So, you know, we're good. But. I'm totally fine with that. And I think now that everyone gets a chance to know you a bit more, you're probably going to get spotted and say, hey, I heard you on the podcast. Or I saw that you went compounding pharmacists of the year. And yeah. I'm sure that. That happens a lot as well. Well, you just tell people they can reach out to me because I have always told Michelle that if they have a question, I mean, I'm all about sharing. I would not have grown to where I am without, you know, input from my mentors and others. So That's always my last question. How do we find you? Okay, you find me at Pharmacy Specialties and Clinic in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. The phone number to the business is 605-334-1672. My fax is 605-331-3243. Nice. This is the second time someone shared their phone number. <laughs> it's not personal, so it's business line, which is it good. It is, yeah. Can we find you on social media anywhere? You know, I kind of fail at that. I'm hoping that will be another aspect that my children will bring ah, to so the So marketing business. and social media. But I do listen to podcasts, and I have, you know, I want to check out the blog, so... Um, yeah, we'll we'll move forward with that. But yeah, you're. I think you're gonna take away from my standard outro. So a reminder out there: <laughs> always to subscribe to the blog on our public site www.pccarx.com. Uh, obviously, subscribe to the podcast so you don't li- um, you don't miss an episode. One thing that I would love to encourage as well: if you are a listener of this podcast, please remember to to rate us on iTunes or on Stitcher, Podbean. Um, obviously, leave a comment if you feel that this podcast has changed your view of compounding pharmacy as well. I think it'll really help us out in in getting our name out in terms of what we're doing. The ultimate goal is obviously to educate all aspects of the triad and not just our members in compounding pharmacies. So thanks for sharing that, Sherry, because it it was a great segue into my my final message. But thanks again for sitting down with us. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks again to all of our listeners out there. Uh, Obviously, till next episode, thanks for tuning in and we'll talk to you soon. The views and therapies expressed in this podcast episode are those of the guest and may not be endorsed by PCCA. The statements are provided for educational purposes only. They have not been evaluated by the United States Food and Drug Administration and are not to be interpreted as a promise, guarantee, or claim of therapeutic efficacy or safety. The information contained herein is not intended to replace or substitute for conventional medical care or encourage its abandonment.